This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Yecheva became pregnant. She gave birth to a boy. She saw that he was good. But what does it mean that she saw that he was good? Number one, he didn't cry. Because if he cried, the Mitzvah would hear a baby and they killed all the baby boys. Another shot is that he was born with a bris milah. And another shot is that he had a light. He was born lit up. And she could not hide him anymore. He's getting too big. But Tika... What? Third. Oh, in the seventh month, yeah. No, the sixth. So they, they, they knew when you would do, you would do, so we're gonna come by and check out the kid. So, Vatikach lay tebas, and they, she took for him. What does it mean, Vatikach lo? should say Vatikach tebas gaima. Lo is an extra word, right? Vatikach lo, she took for him. Vatikach tebas gaima, she took a little boat made out of straw. Vatachmar bechema, and she put pitch in it. Uvazafas and tar. She made, she waterproofed it. Vatasim ba esayelit, and she put the child into it. Vatasim basuf al swasiyah, and she put him by the suf by the. How do you say that in English? The riverbank. The riverbank, right? Al swasiyah. So we all know we spoke about the whole chida that talks about the Gilgal. The Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgal of. Noach, Noach, Ish he was a tzaddik, but there was a little bit of a criticism that he did not save the world. He only saved his family. Right? He could have saved the world. It's brought down, I saw, it's brought down that had he said to Hashem, if the world gets destroyed, kill me too. I'm not building a teva. I'm not saving my family. It's all or none. Then Hashem would not have destroyed the world. But he didn't do that. So he had to come back in a Gilgal. But we know that when you come back in a Gilgal, you have to be in the same place with the same Yitzhahara, with the same everything. So even though, I don't know if his mother, Yochebed, knew that he was a Gilgal of Noah, the same words that she put him, not in a tenet, not in a basket, which is what it should be called, but you put him in a table. In an ark that was waterproofed, like Noah was in an ark. And his sister, who was just supposed to put him and leave, stood from afar, Ledea, to know, what's going to be with him? It's brought down in Sifri Kabbalah that Achaisai is not his sister. But metaphorically, it means Hashem. Not a sister, but it's Hashem. Okay? So we have a whole situation here. Moshe Rabbeinu was not supposed to be born altogether. His mother and father separated. When Paro came out, they were going to throw all the children into the Nile. His father and mother separated and said, we're going to have a baby, and then you're going to take the baby and kill it? What are we having a baby for? Miriam, all women that have the name Miriam are strong-minded. And they get done what they need to get done. They're very straight, usually. And Miriam 
which comes from the word Maryam, but whatever, said to her parents, I'm sure not in a chutzpah way, but in a nice way, hey, you're worse than Paro. Paro's killing boys. You're separating from dad. You're not having any more children. How do you know that you're not going to have another one like me? If you have a girl, the mitzvah are not going to do anything. I'll tell you something interesting. I don't think it was a halacha. If you know that it's possible, I have to tell you, there is a halacha that you're not allowed to, you're not supposed to try to have children during famine. So it's mashma that you shouldn't have children that are going to die. It's a halacha. No, no. So what I'm saying, but if you knew you have only having a boy, you're right, but you don't have a right to, to, to kill a girl, not to have a child, you have another girl. So they, they decided that, you know what, she's right. And they didn't have another girl. They had a boy. But we know that um, that you're not supposed to get pregnant during famine. During hunger. So, huh? Right. So, so we have a whole situation there with this little boy. So they shot a boy and she put him into the... And Miriam wanted to see what's going to be, what's going to be, what's going to be. She was involved. She caused... Moshe to be born. Now, we're putting him in the Nile. It was my idea. It didn't work out the way I thought. I thought I'm having a girl, because it doesn't always work out the way you think. So she had to see see what's going to happen with this guy. I brought a boy into the world. They're going to kill him. Okay? Comes down, Basparo, Bitya, Bisya. She's really called Bisya, not Bacha, but... There's many machlekes in what's going on with her. One says she came down to be Megayer. She found Hashem. That's why she was called Batya. She was coming down to be Megayer. And to be Megayer for a woman, you have to go to the mikvah. So that's one. Another one says she had Saras. Her father had Saras. Paro had Saras. We know he, he, he bathed in blood. And she had Saras. So she went down to the Nile in the morning to, I guess, relieve the itching and whatever she was going through. She had Saras. And we know, remember, we learned last year something amazing. And when she touched Moshe, he, remember, I, I learned it from inside, he got the Saras. And, and, and that whole simon that he had later on with, when, in, when afterwards, when Hashem wanted to show the B'nai Israel that you're real, put your hand in, you'll have Saras, take your hand out, you won't have Saras. And he had Saras till then. He suffered because she touched him. And he got hurt Saras. It's not catchy. Saras is, is not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. It's, it comes out physical, but the Kayan doesn't heal. The, the, when someone talks such an aura and, and, and he gets Saras, the Kayan doesn't give him creams and salves and antibiotics and, and wrappings and anything like that. He gets healed by doing chuva. So you see it's not exactly leprosy. So she goes down to the Svasayon, right? What's going to be with him? Oh, so why was I telling you? Why does it say Vatikach Lo Tevas Gomer? If she did say Vatikach Tevas Gomer, no! Vatikach Loi! She took for him, for Moshe, who was Noach, to put him in the same Gilgal that he's in a Teva. So she did it for him. 
didn't take it. It should say Vatichach, what's below? I took, she took it for him, for Nayach. So he's got to be in the same place. He was in a teva. Moshe's in a teva. Okay? Nairidik. She comes down to the yard. The Nairis Holcha Yadayar. They all died. All the girls that were with him, with her. But Tevis at Teva Besechasuf. She saw the Teva Besechasuf. But guys, what did we say before? She sent her maidservant. Says Rashi. She sent her shifcha. I thought they all died. In time of Parish Rashi, Halachadashi Misa, Shemus the Trachas, they killed all the Trachas. Titzvu Gemara Shishol Shifcha Achas. Yup, they all died except for one, because the queen has to have the princess has to have one servant. Hashem leaves you what you need. The unbelievable Rashi. According to the Mefarshim that say Amasa is a Shifcha or Shvachos, Hashem killed them all because she didn't. They they would have ratted out Moshe Rabbeinu and Batya and Bitya. But no, says Rashi, a princess needs one servant. So he left the one servant. It goes back to my share about Rav Steinman. Hashem doesn't give you what you want, he gives you what you need. She needed one shifcha. So he left one alive. It's Rashi's Lashem, so Rashi says. Okay. But Rashi also says that according to another uh, Rabbanim, it means she sent out her hand and it stretched out to reach him. Why didn't Hashem just bring a wind and bring little Moshe Rabbeinu to the shore and then we don't have to have a miracle. And God doesn't do miracles unless you need miracles. You said you need a miracle here. It's out there. You know, you tell the kids, her arms stretched out 30 feet. Come on, Rabbi. Was she Gumby? Like, you know, made out of clay, right? But what does Hashem have to make a miracle? And the answer is because that was the source of who Moshe Rabbeinu was. To stretch your hand out, even though it's impossible to reach and to understand, we'll see later, we're going to tie it up together, to understand that you have to do yours and Hashem will do His. If He wants to do what He wants to do, He'll do what He has to do. So she put out her hand, even though she couldn't reach Him. And Hashem said, you put out your hand to another, to a Jew, to another person, to help them, even though you can't, you don't, you don't have the ability, you don't think you have the ability to, I will make it happen. But you have to put out your hand. If she would have had her hand on the side, nothing would have happened. You just have to put it out. That's a very big lesson for all of us. And that had to be in Moshe Rabbeinu's nature. So if Hashem would have brought the little basket to the seashore and she would have just picked it up, it wouldn't have been in his nature to do the impossible. To understand that a leader just so... That's why his name is Moshe Rabbeinu, Ki min mishisihu. Your name is your source. I did it with the girls last week. They freaked out. I went through my class and I did every single name. And pretty much, your name is your source. Miriam has a certain nature. Sarah has a certain... Esther has a certain nature. This nature goes by your name. That's why every name means something else. My Rabbi Rabbi Gamil always says that the holiest names, the holiest souls are people who have names. Whoever doesn't have this doesn't mean you don't have a holy soul. With a yud Hey at the end or an Aleph Lamed. Because they have Hashem's name in their name. 
So if you have a Yud Hey or Aleph Lamed, which is Kale, so the Shem's name, like Michael, Gabriel, right? All those different names, Ariel. Um, so you have the name Kale, that means, I'm not saying it Kale because I want to say Hashem's name, the big Neshama, and of course Yud Hey, which is Hashem's name. And like when I write my name Zechariah, I have to put a strefel, I have to put a little line between the Yud and the Hey. Unless it's on a Ksuva. Ksuva, you don't, you don't put that. And he always says to me, you gotta, you gotta keep it up, because your name is Zechariah, Zachar Hashem. When someone sees you, you have to make them remember Hashem. And your second name is Shimon, which comes from the word Shema. So you have to be a speaker, so people listen to you. Your name is your source. So had Hashem brought the little basket to the shore, his name wouldn't have been Moshe. He had to have that name. He had many other names. Tuvia, he had seven other names. But they didn't stick. His mother gave him the name Tuvia. Hashem said, that's not, that was because you were born good. That's my, I, that's me. But his name was an Arabic name. It was an Egyptian name. She gave him the name. So had he not been all the way out there, she would have called him Moshe. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to have that in his spiritual source who he was. He had the power of putting his arm out. And Hashem did the rest. Okay, anyway. This is one of the most beautiful pshatim I've ever heard in my life. Vatiftach, she opened it up. Vatirehu, and she saw the child. Okay, makes sense, yell it, right? And there was a young man crying. She had Rachmanus on him. She said, Hey, this kid, he's from the Jews. Oh, really? What a big shiddish. Who else would be out in the middle of the Nile in a basket? Not an Arab kid. Not an Egyptian kid. What's the big shiddish? Oh my gosh, it's a Jew. What would you, like, why would you think it isn't a Jew? Why would an Egyptian put his kid out in a basket out in the water? Good kasha, no? So, Sagrashi. But Tiftach Vatireyu. It's Mira, so they yell it. It's a Pshuta. Madrashai. Of course, she, it's a Pasha Pshar. If she opens up, she can see the kid. Madrashi, Rasa Imai Shechina. When she opened up the basket, she saw the Shechina. But still, look the next Rashi, so it doesn't make sense. First you call him a baby, then you call him a Nar, which is a young guy. So what do you mean? I saw a baby and uh, it's a Nar. It wasn't a Nar. So Rashi says, his crying wasn't like, or like a young man crying, but I heard a most unbelievable Dvatar. It was Aaron. Aaron wasn't even in the picture. His mother sent Miriam. When Aaron came to see what's happening with his little brother, when he saw an Arab, Batya, whose father was a big Russia, he, he went to a bath in the blood of little Jewish kids. When he saw his brother Moshe being taken by an Egyptian princess, he began to cry. He was a young boy at the time. He began to cry. When she saw that there's a young boy crying because of this little baby, she realized that he's a Jew. 
because the Mitzri wouldn't be crying for his little brother. So he said, oh, Rachmanis, that I see by the Jews. The young kid crying that his brother's being taken. He's, a, he's, a, he's an Ivri. Oh, there's no Shiloh, there's no Shiloh, there's no Shiloh. Look at the reaction. I'm not going into the whole story of Rabashkin. It's not for me to do. And it's not for me to talk. I spoke today in the Syrian community, and it's not for me to, to, to tell anyone why such a terrible disaster, two terrible disasters and fire. So we don't know anything. Anyone who says anything, they don't know what they're talking about. You could say, we need to daven. They took on a day of fasting, 100%. Day of fasting, we had daven, we have to change our midot. That's for sure. Why Hashem does things? We don't know why Hashem does things. To get up and say, it's Lashon Hara, it's Nias, who knows? You know, you have to get better, you know. You can't have such a tragedy unless God signed the Xerah. And we know how, how painful it must have been for Hashem to sign Xerah on little kids and a mother the second time within a year and a half, two years. So that we weren't able to protect them. In other words, the Gemara says that Hashem looks at all the people that it affects. And that it should happen on Hanukkah, where Hashem knew it's going to affect a lot of us. And we're not on the level that Hashem should say, I can't do this to all the people around them. We have to do tshuva. Why it happened? Why the Holocaust happened? I don't know why the Holocaust happened, but we know, we, we know what we have to do. Somebody said something drastic. Whoever is watching, I just want you to hear this. I heard this this week. Someone said, the challenge of this generation, listen carefully, the last generation that came to America from the Holocaust, what was their greatest challenge? Anyone here know? Shabbos. Shabbos. You couldn't keep Shabbos. In the 30s and the 20s, you couldn't keep Shabbos. They fired you. You, worked, you, you didn't come in Saturday, they fired you. In fact, there's a shul that I dive into many times called Shemr Shabbos. It was one of two shuls in, that was, when Shemr Shabbos opened up in Borough Park, that didn't allow people who work on Shabbos to come daven. Because what they used to do, I'm not, I'm not judging them, but what they used to do, they would go to daven at 7, Hashkama Minyan, and then at 8.30 they would leave, they would be finished davening and they would go to work. That's why Hasidim don't allow Hashkama Minyans, because Hashkama Minyans were started off for people who worked on Shabbos. In Shemir Shabbos, when they opened up, and I think very much, the in America, there's no more successful shul than Shem Shabbos. We know that. They have a minion. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. You need my if you got it. Your laning is different because you're in Shemesh Yisrael and the shop. You got it. There's nothing with the Shabbos. My rib, Matzi Shabbos, the last one's like 11 o'clock. I said to, I said to Moshe, who's down in my rib at 11 o'clock, Matzi Shabbos? He says, there are people in the hospital. Kids are just giving, get, get, wives are giving birth or their parents are very sick, whatever it is. They can't leave shul till way after Shabbos. They have a minion. And every time they have a minion. What's the schuss? It's a little teeny, uncomfortable little place. It's narrow, it's teeny. Right? It feeds people the whole day. It's, it's open all night. You know, I, you go there at 2 o'clock tonight, you have Hillel screaming out, Lakewood, Muncie, you need a ride. There's no such place in the world. 
In Eretz Yisrael, there's, there's, there are places, uh, minion factories. There's no such place. Even, even Landau's, one o'clock, last minion. That's it. Shemr Shabbos, last minion, 3.30. It's not normal. What's this chus? It's not a big shul. It's very narrow. It's not so comfortable. What's this chus? This chus is that Shemr Shabbos, it's called Shemr Shabbos, because to, to be a member, when, when they open, 30s, I don't know when they open. Two things. You have to be Shemesh Shabbos, totally. You couldn't go daven and go to work. And your beds have to be separated, man and wife. Couldn't be sleeping in the same bed. I asked them, did they check, did they check it out? Yeah. Check it out. Have to have two separate beds. That was their rule. And that was the end. Look today, we'll look at that show. It's the foundation. That's why it's called Shemesh Shabbos, by the way. What? One bed, two, they slept on two sides of the bed. I'm not, I'm not, whatever. Yeah, there was a lot of people doing kibbutz kibbutz. It's very different then. The chassidim didn't have, they had, they didn't have one bed. Yeah, yeah. Interesting shul. That was the foundation. So that's why it was called. That's why it was called. So this person got up and said, "That generation's challenge was a crazy challenge." And, 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 you know, the famous story of Moshe Feinstein where this man on the east side, he had three sons, and he kept it. He got fired every single Shabbos. What to eat? And all three sons became Mechal Shabbos. All three sons grew up Mechal Shabbos. So he went to Moshe Feinstein and said, I don't understand. How can Hashem do this to me? I sacrificed every single Shabbos for him. And I have three kids off, three kids off the Darach. And Moshe said, tell me a little bit about when you had the Shabbos meal, when they were little kids, like, what did you, what did you, what did you say? What, like, you know, they said, Ty, you got fired again, you're going to get fired again, what did you say? So listen, I used to say, listen, that, that's, you know, to be, it's, uh, it's hard to be a Jew, it's not an easy thing. So Moshe said, that's why. You told your kids, it's hard to be, it's hard to be a Jew, and then you expect them to keep Shabbos? Instead of coming home and saying, it's amazing that I could give for Hashem. I could be, I could get fired every week and keep Shabbos. He said, it all be Shemesh Shabbos. You came and said, it's hard to be a Jew. You were fetching. So people have to be very careful. Whoever's listening, that, that when you're sitting at the table, don't be saying, oh, tuitions. You know, you're talking to your wife, but you don't realize your kids are listening. And I've had kids that have said to me, I, I, I don't, I don't want to go to seminary. I don't want to go to high school. I don't, my, my parents don't have money. I, I'm, I'm, I'll go to work. I'm 15. I'm 15. I'm going to work. Because they heard the parents talking at home. That, uh, that, that I can't afford it, and it's so hard. Send to seminary, and they hear this. It's like, so hard to be a Jew. Pesach's so expensive. So then the kid, you think the kid's going to keep Pesach? When he grows up, the Pesach's so expensive? Be very careful how you talk. You talk very positive. All right, how do we get to this subject? Oh, so we got up and he said, that this generation's challenge, like that generation of Shabbos, is technology. Same challenge. It's also Shabbos. What? It's also Shabbos. It's also Shabbos. We said the whole, they had that, we have that. We have technology. It's not a joke. So many kids have a Shabbos with technology. They don't understand what Shabbos is. They don't realize. People died for Shabbos. Yeah, we don't we don't have a life. I was talking to someone um, yesterday about it. We don't have a life anymore. People don't have a life anymore. They have no life. They don't. They don't. 
in Europe in the, in the times before technology, you 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 looked at the world, you looked at each other, but like fruits and vegetables and growing things with your own hands. In those days, you were farming. You know, you daven Tashem, I need rain. Tomorrow, I need sun. And I don't know if you've ever grown your own stuff. You, you, the tomatoes you buy in the store have no smell. But if you buy tomatoes out of a garden, they smell like the earth. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I was out in the ranch. It's snow orange covered. The whole thing is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Even the people in the mountains, they're on, either they're watching TV or, you know, Netflix, or they're, or they're on their computers. They, they don't even see the snow anymore. There's nobody sled riding. There's nobody tobogganing. You don't know what that means. And I know, I know when I was talking to him, I was in Muncie, and I was walking across the lawn after Meyer in the snow, because they have snow, in, and I said, like, we were out. We came home from school. We did our homework, and we, we slept our sleds. We had, um, I forgot the name of them. Oh, the name on the sled. Of all the sleds, flexible flyers. And we got our flexible flyers, and we went down looking my street, up and down the whole night, and you know until we had to come in. Nobody does that anymore. It's over. Life is over. The world is over. There's no life. Well, you people are out there with your phones. You're not living. You're dead. You're so dead. You don't smell. You don't taste. You don't see. You don't hear. Dead. You look at that stupid piece of metal. Day and night, you're dead. You didn't have to come to the world to be on, on, in a machine. It's not normal. Mom, it's not normal. And it's getting worse, and it can't, I mean, like, they don't even realize it. They don't realize it. So all they do, I go on a plane, everyone's on their, looking at their phone. You go on a bus, everyone's looking at their phone. You walk in the street on Avenue J, everyone's looking at their phone. There's no life. We're dead. I'm not talking about Yiddishkeit right now. I'm talking about living. We're dead. We have no life. You're watching Yeshiva World, Yeshiva World, Yeshiva World, Yeshiva World, Yeshiva World. What changed in the last... I was just thinking about it in the car because I don't listen to the news. What changed in the last 30 years? What piece of news did you need to hear in the last 30 years that changed your life? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing changed. They're just telling you, what happened? I just hear the, the angels screaming, Idiots! What do you need to read what happened? It happened! If the news was telling you what's going to happen, that's nevious. That's great. But all you idiots, you sit and read newspapers, and you watch the news, you see what you see, that there was a car that went off a cliff. Okay, can you do anything about it? It happened. So what's knowing that it went off the cliff going to help you? The whole thing doesn't make sense. So I'm not missing anything. If you gave me a station that could tell me what's going to happen, then we could talk. That's the station I want to hear. But what happened? It's part of what it's part. Of, it's part of what I'm going to talk about. What happened? What's going to happen? By the way, wouldn't help you either, because Hashem can change it every second. You don't really can't know what's going to happen. So we don't live. We're reading. We're, we're reading, we're, we're busy in each other's kitchens, like, they have these apps, what's apps? You're watching a lady cook, and you're watching a lady sew, and you're watching this, and you're watching that, and a guy, and a story, and a joke, and a this, and a that, and a YouTube, 20 million hits, and I'm like, Hashem, can you, explain, can you explain to me why you created a world? You created a human being with a phone, put him in a cave, have a good day, you don't do anything else. 
It's, it's sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. I'm not in that world. I'm, I'm, I'm on the outside. I'm, again, once in your caveman, I'm not, yeah, I'm a caveman, yeah. Yeah, I smell flowers. I, I taste food. I talk to people. I'm a caveman. That's what they used to do. They didn't have an antenna on the cave. They didn't have a dish on top of the cave. The caveman, yeah, I don't mind being a caveman. I'm a man. I'm a human being. It's, it's, it's so sad. Guys in shul, in their car, they have no life. Nobody, I'm not just about, nobody, the whole world has no life. No life. You have a president that, 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 that communicates in a very sick way. What is that? Get up in a microphone and make a statement. Were you, were you tweeting? Were you a little boy, a little baby? Living in a world and the guy's tweeting? And then the guy from North Korea is tweeting back? This is normal? They're tweeting about nuclear bombs? And we just sit there, right? It doesn't mean anything. This week's Pasha, what made Moshe Rabbeinu? What made Moshe Rabbeinu? He walked by a bush. The bush was burning, but it wasn't burning. He stopped. He said, I got to check this out. And then he asked a big question. Why? So I spoke today. I said, no, you did Guys. Let's, let's read this. Let's, let's skip a little bit. Okay, let's skip a little bit. Perry Gimel. Perry Gimel. Pasig Beis. Vayera Malach Hashem Elah Balabas Eish. It was Hashem actually in, the, in a flame. He took Hasne in this bush. Vayar, number one, he saw. He in Hasne, Boyer Beish. It was really burning, but the leaves weren't, you know, dissipating, weren't getting burnt out. Right? Okay. Moshe, Moshe said, "Asuruna, um, let me turn and see um, what's going on over here." How come? The bush is not burning. Who is he talking to? There's no one there in the desert. What is this Pasuk talking about? By Yomer Moshe. And Moshe said, to who? Hashem didn't talk to him yet. There's nobody there. He's a mumbler. Like Moshe with the kid who mumbles. And then he says, Oh, he was, oh that, he, he called Google. And he took a picture of the snake and he said, what's going on over here? You think that's what happened? Oh, very good. I didn't think about that today. But that's not what he did. He said, he, did. he talked, he didn't text. But Yom Moshe, sure enough, let me go turn. Who are you asking? Why isn't the bush burning? Who are you asking? There's nobody there. He's asking himself. He's asking himself if there's something here that doesn't make sense. We're going to ask the question, what's happening? Why doesn't it make sense? And until this day, God never spoke to Moshe in the Torah. He never spoke to Moshe. Moshe did an amazing thing. He killed that Egyptian to save the Jews. Hashem didn't come up and say, wow, that was amazing. You gave up being the prince of Egypt and, and you killed this guy. For, for, never, never spoke to him. Now, this is the first thing about Yah Hashem. And Hashem saw, he saw Lirais. Oh, you stop to see what's going on. Vayomer, he said, Moshe, Moshe, the first words Hashem ever heard, the first words that Moshe Rabbeinu ever heard 
from HaKadosh Baruch Hu was his name twice, Eloshin Chiba. When you say, when you say, Hashem said Avram, Avram, Vayom Hineini, it says that when Hashem says your name twice, that's Eloshin of love. So the first words that Moshe ever heard was a loving word from God, Moshe, Moshe. Okay, so he asked himself, what is going on here? How many people who are watching this year tonight sit at the edge of their bed and say, Madua, what's going on here? What am I doing in this world? What's with all this technology? What's going on? We're so busy that we don't saw liras. We don't stop to look, to think, to try to figure out meditation, it's it's baited us. What are we doing here? What's going on in this world? Why are so many people dying of this terrible disease? Why are so many kids off the derev? Why? But before you ask why, you have to recognize that there's something going wrong. And the only way to recognize that there's something going wrong is tavaya. But if you're looking at your phone and your movies and all your other stupidities, then you're not going to see all the bushes that are burning. I have to tell you something that I saw Many years ago. In those days, I used to watch Candid Camera. Candid Camera did secret stuff, and the person didn't know what they were doing, and they were filming it the whole time. They took this guy, I think it was in Central Park, one of the parks. They put him on a bench. He was sitting on a bench. A lot of people walking by, and he had a nail through his head. So it was a fake nail. It was, it was bent down, and he had a hat on, so it looked like a nail from this side coming out the other side and fake blood all over the side of his neck. Okay? Nail through his head. Could not tell that there wasn't a nail. It looked exactly. And he's sitting on a bench and they're filming the people that are walking by. And they just walk by and they're looking at the camera, nail through his head, bleeding. And they just walk by with a dog, with a this, with a that. And then you see some people going like, wow, and just keep walking. Nobody called 911. Nobody stopped to bend over to see what's going on. One person took put his hand on his child's face, not to look at this guy, but not to check if he's dead or he can help him. I was laying on the floor. You have to see people. They, you could have a guy with a nail through his head. It looks like he's bleeding out of his brains. I just keep walking. New York City, that's what they, you know, New York City have all these craziness. And you, <laughs> he's got a nail through his head. But yeah, you got to first see there's a situation. And then you got to look at the situation and say, what's going on here? What happened to Shabbos? Why are kids being Mechel Shabbos? I get up and I speak about it. Sometimes people are like, what? I'm like, what do you mean, what? How could you not know what's going on? Because you're not a Moshe Abedo and you're not a leader and you're not involved. You know how many people walk past that burning bush? Plenty. Burning bush. It's fine. And, and you wouldn't see... That the leaves are not burning unless you stop and look. You see a fire in a bush, you keep walking, you figure they're burning. He stopped, he's standing there, he's like, what's going on here? Why did Hashem do that? You couldn't just talk to him like a sound out of a bush. It has to, why was the bush burning? So it says that Hashem wanted to teach him a very important lesson. The fire was Spiritual. Spiritual fire doesn't burn. 
physical things. We want a Moshe to know that you, the person thinks that if he gives over, over a lot of he gives over a lot of time for Tyra, he's got this fire to help people. It's going to take away from his physicality. My spirituality is going to, but it doesn't work that way because the theory of displacement, right, in physics, is that if I pour half a cup of water out of here, right, into there, I'm only going to have a half a cup left. I displace it. It's the first one of the first things theories in, 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 in physics. I'm not a genius. It's a pasha to that, right? So the theory of displacement is only physical. So, so if I teach you Torah, I don't have less Torah. If I take, if I give you half my glass of water, I only have half a glass of water. But if I teach a class, Torah anytime, there's a 10,000 people watching this year, I don't have any less, not a drop. So as leader of, of, of the Kalei Yisrael, you have to see that a spiritual fire does not burn, does not take away from the physical bush. And that's what he needed to learn as a leader. A lot of people feel, oh, if I'm going to give people time, then I'm going to have less time for my kids, I'm going to have less this, I'm going to have less that. No. No. Many people who do a lot of, a lot of charity and tzedakah are able to give their children more time, because Hashem gives them a longer life, whatever it is. So don't think because you're teaching Torah that you're going to have less money. Spiritual, there's no displacement when it comes to... Spiritual, the place that spirituality is, does not displace the place that physicality is. And that's what he needed to see by the bush. If you're going to be the leader of Kaleosha, you need to know that you, you think you're giving up time and you're the leader that... Uh, it doesn't work like that. And that's why the fire had to be in the bush and, and uh, the bush was not burning. That was the lesson. It would have been much cooler if the bush would have been burning. Like by Harsinai, fire, smoke, and ah, By the snare, imagine if it was burning and the leaves were burning and the fire was, it's not what it was about. It was about, yes, the fire of, what's the word I'm looking for? You give me physic, your, your inner fire, your inner fire will never take away from your physical body. That spiritual fire will never take away from you. And that's, that's why it was done. People need to, people think, ah, no. No, it doesn't displace. Spirituality never displaces physicality. Maybe the other way around, but not that way. What would he have done with those? So you didn't ever think he saw a fire before? I'm saying, but would he have looked if it was being consumed? Yes, because he first looked the fire. Then he realized it wasn't being consumed. He stopped to see what's going on over here. Let's look at the passage. Vayar, Malach Hashem, Elah, Balav, Hashem, Yitach, Hashem, Vayar, and he saw. Yehine, behold, Vayar. He saw. Then he said, wow, behold, Hashem, Boi, Be'ech, Hashem, Elucham. It's burning, and it's not, it's not, but you first have to stop and look. It's not, he looked because it wasn't burning. He looked. The snare's burning. Oh, it's not eating up the leaves. It's, you see the, you see how the pussy says it? it? Otherwise, it would have said the pussy like this. He looked. This bush is burning. And it's not, it's not being affected. 
So that's when he said, the Eres Hamar HaGadol Hazeh. What was the Mar HaGadol? That it wasn't burning. That it didn't burn the leaves. And then he said, Madua Then came to the third part. Okay, you can look at something and go back to He said, what's going on over here? He was inquisitive. Why isn't this not burning? So then, when the Hashem saw that Hitaka stopped and looked and questioned, he said, Moshe, Moshe. Hashem said, don't come too close. Take off your shoes. Because you're standing on holy, in a holy place. What's with the shoes business? What's with the shoe business? Why couldn't he wear shoes? Why can't, um, why can't, what's it called? Why can't Kohanim wear shoes in the base of Mikdash? Why can't you wear shoes? Anyone here know? Hashem's like, don't, don't, don't stand there on your wall. What's, what's so bad? I'm standing there with shoes. Just the opposite. I would think it's not really covered to you, Hashem. You should see my feet. My feet. The shoe represents the separation of the human, the human being and the arets. Right at the end of the day, what separates you from the ground? Not your clothing, not your jacket, not your hat, not your pants, not your socks, your shoes. The tachlis of the world is that the human being, which is the neshama, the spirituality, should be connected to the arets. When you wear shoes, you disconnect yourself from the arets. So therefore, when you stand on a very holy place, you want to be connected to that holy place. The shoe is separating you from that holy place. So you can't wear shoes. In the base of Migdash, which is a very holy place, the client has to be connected to the arets in there. So here Hashem said, not just the bush that's burning is holy, but where you're standing is holy. And therefore, you can't have a separation between you and the floor. I wonder if he writes in here. Yeah, he does. He says, Ad Matkaidishu Hamakain. The place that you're standing is very holy. And therefore, you cannot be wearing shoes. You cannot separate yourself from the place. At the same time, at the same time, you see that Avelis, you have to take off your shoes. Because shoes give a certain simcha to a person. A person who has holes in their shoes, it's a, it's a symbol of, of being poor. So, Moshe Rabbeinu walked into something really big here. And Hashem introduced himself. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know him. He didn't go to Yeshiva. He was in, in an Egyptian school. Whoa, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have a relationship yet with Hashem. He's like, oh my God, God's talking to me? I, I have to cover my face. Hashem said, I see the pain of my, of my nation in Mitzrayim and I'm listening to their, to their cries. And, and it's interesting because his first step into being the leader of Klai Yisrael goes to over here. That's very important. Here. Vayihi vayamim ahem. Right? Vayigdal Moshe. Moshe grew up. Vayetze 
and he went to his brothers, Vayabas of Loisa, he saw their pain. All these Vayars, right? All these Vayars. He, so, so there's a very beautiful shot. I, I heard this last year. Who did I hear it from? Moshe became great. He became great by going out to see his brothers. Not he became older and he went out to see his brothers, but Moshe Moshe's greatness was, he was the prince of Mitzrayim. He didn't have to care about the Jews. His greatness, what makes a Jew great, what makes each one of us great, when you go out to your brothers and you see their pain. That's what makes you great. Not he grew up, he was 20 years old and he went out. No, what made him great is that he went out and he saw their pain and, and, and he decided that he's going to help them by killing that mystery. It's all vayar, it's all getting your face out of your technology and seeing what's going on. He would have never seen the bush. He would have been in, in the desert and he would have been and he wouldn't have seen the bush. Hashem would have to show up on the screen in a bush. Oh my God, what's happening with my iPhone? There's a fire and the iPhone is not burning up. Nebuchadnezzar, that's how the kids would be excited if you read the Torah like that. And Moshe was in the desert, he had an iPhone. I told you about that girl that told me she sees sunrise every day. I said, you don't see sunrise every day, you don't get up 5 o'clock in the summer. She goes, oh no, I don't have to get up 5 o'clock. It's on my screensaver. I was like, you think that's sunrise? Well then I'm in the middle of the ocean because my screensaver has... Bunch of fish going by. It's all vayar, vayar, vayar. He saw the Jews. He saw the fire. He asked the question. He had his head out of places it shouldn't be. That's what's happening to us today. We don't see other people's pain. We don't see nothing. We don't see anything. We don't see past three to four inches from our face. It's not normal. Anyway, I didn't intend to talk about this tonight, but I guess I went off the derech. Wallstein's off to Derech. All right, let's end. Right, he got Paro, he got Paro, but that was later. He got Paro to give us off Shabbos because he told Paro that if we work seven days, we, we, we're, we're going to burn out. So he, 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 yeah, we kept Shabbos in Mitzrayim. Mm-hmm. All right, let's end off with this. And this connects to the beginning of the whole thing, to the whole idea of what I'm talking about tonight, and I've spoken about it many times, connected in a little bit of a different way. All right, Moshe Rabbeinu, a little bit of therapy here. Perik Dal, Apostle Galif. Hashem says, go to Mitzrayim. I'm with you. I'm going to help you. Mayan Moshe. So Moshe's answer to Hashem is, they're not going to trust, they're not going to believe me. They won't listen to me. I'm going to come with a story. Hashem came to me. Hashem said, I'm here to take you out of Mitzrayim. And they're going to say, who are you? You ran away a long time ago. You're not suffering with us. You're not one of us. You don't understand what we're going through. Oh, you're coming from Midian now with a message? You never talk to Hashem. We don't believe one word you're saying. Wow, can you imagine that? That's what you told Hashem. All right. So Hashem, like, let's, you know, you're the therapist. What do you, what do you, what do you do? He has low self-esteem. He's saying, no one trusts me. No one's going to listen to me. Oh, so there, here comes Hashem, the therapist. What do you have in your hand? Hashem said a stick. That's it. Therapy over. What? What happened here? So first of all, Moshe like, if Hashem said, like, what's in your hand? He must have been like, 
if you're God that's been talking to me and you're telling me down to Mitzrayim to take them out of the nation that an Eved never escaped ever, that the lions used to rip them to pieces, and you don't know what's in my hand, I don't think God's talking to me. So it looks like that he answered very chutzpahdeh. You know, Hashem asked him what's in his hand, and he, instead of answering, why are you asking me what, what what's going on? He said, Amata, like Hashem didn't know, a stick. Oh, and then he seemed to have been happy. That's it, he got his answer. I'm not going to go, no one's going to believe me, I can't talk, I stutter. Okay, what's in your hand, a stick? We're good. Look, Rashi. Rashi says, what's in your hand? Hashem said, oh, what are you worried about? Let me hear you. Let me hear your problems. What's your problem? You stutter. You have a lisp. You don't live in Mitzrayim. Nobody's going to believe you that you even spoke to me. Those are your problems? Moshe Abenu, you don't have any problems because what's in your hand is a matter. And what you need to know to be a leader of Klai Yisrael and to live a life is to understand that's all we all are. And the power of the stick is the power of the hand. Put a stick in a little kid's hand, not going to hurt much. Put a, kid, a stick in a baseball guy's hand and he'll hit it over the fence. It's the stick, the, the baseball bat has no power. It's the guy who's swinging the baseball bat. So Hashem said to Moshe Benu, you worried about a lisp, you worried about all this, what do you worry about anything? You're nothing. You're nothing, Moshe. You're a conduit. You're a stick. And you're in my hand. And if you're a stick in my hand, then you have my power. So what are you worried about? That was the end of the discussion. There was no more questions. You're a stick in my hand. And we all need to understand that. And we wouldn't be so worried about Shaduchim and all the other stuff. Because at the end of the day, I'm a stick in Hashem's hand. I go to the left, I go to the left. I go to the right, I go to the right. He, he controls what I do. So I'm really a stick in his hand. So I have the power of God behind me. I could change the world in one second. I could create. I could destroy. I'm a stick in Hashem's hand. That's very beautiful. But many people that you speak to, and you talk about Yiddishkeit, and they say to me, listen, I don't keep Shabbos. I don't eat kosher. I don't put on tefillin. But I'm, I'm a good Jew. I give a lot of money to Israel. I'm very Zionistic. And I give charity, synagogue, so I don't keep Shabbos. I'm a good Jew. Hashem said, no. Hashem will take the stick and throw it on the floor. Hashem is like, what? So then I'll have a stick in your hand and a stick on the floor. Okay. She says, throw it on the floor. He throws it on the floor. It's not a stick out of his hand anymore. It becomes a nachash. Hashem says, you're either in my hand. Jews, listen to me carefully. You're either in my hand and you have my power... Or you're in the Satan's hand. There's no good Jew that doesn't keep the mitzvahs. You're not a good. It's not. That's not the translation. You're not. You're not. Okay, listen. I'm not in your hands, Hashem. I'm out of your hands. I'm a stick. I'm not doing much. Hashem says, No, you're a snake. You're either in my hand or you're out of my hand. But Shabbat couldn't handle that. He ran away. He wasn't scared of snakes. He was 20 feet tall. He ran away. He had the shame of Hashem that when he killed the mitzvah, he didn't even touch him. He said it's a shame. And then he buried him in the sand with another shame. He said a shame and the snake's head pops off. He's scared of a snake. He ran away. So what does it mean he ran away? He said, I cannot be a leader of Klai Because I know in the future there are going to be many Jews that are not going to be in your hand. 
They're not going to keep the mitzvahs. Return the snakes? I don't want any part of that. Hashem says, no. They don't, have to, they don't have to continue to be snakes. Just give them a Shabbos meal. Invite them Friday night. Invite them for a Pesach. Invite them to a good Shabbaton. Just take them by their tail. Don't have to fight them. Don't have to be kuchim, you know. Just give them a little schlep by the tail. Moshe Rabbeinu said, really? I'm going to touch his tail? He's going to change? Yeah, touch his tail. Look what happens. Suck the pasuk. So he threw it to the floor. The became a snake. By Yonas Moshe, he ran away. You're a leader. Don't let the snakes be snakes. The echos biznavoy. Grab onto his tail. So it should become a snake in his hand. He grabbed onto a snake, right? He, so he sent out his hand, he grabbed the tail of the snake, in his hand he became a stick. Became a Balchuva. In his hand. Oh, okay. Then we can do, we can work with this. They become a snake and I, I just have to do a little chuva. Get him to do a little chuva and they become back to a stick. Became the leader of Klyostrom. So the stick, the mata, and there's some crazy gematrias. I, I didn't bring my safe with me today. Gematria of mata equals very interesting things. And the mata we know, he always had the mata in his hand. Always as a symbol that, that I'm a stick in a Kershbalku's hand. And that mata had Hashem's name on it. We know that it had Hashem's real name. The whole thing, but that was the matter, and 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 Kleisel realized that we, our leader Moshe Rabbeinu was a can do it to Kadosh and therefore when he died, his whole eulogy was what? Two words. They had a for our people that died today. It's a deacon and this and that. Nobody said in his eulogy that he took us out of Yam, Yam, the Yamsuf and saved us by the Egel. Nothing. It says in the Torah two words: Eved Hashem. Period. Have a good day. Why, why is that so big? Why is an Evan Hashem so big? Because an Evan Hashem is a master. He cleans the toilets. Evan, he cleans the toilets. He dusts off the thing. He cleans the dishes. And at the same time, he can do the, he can shine the crown of the king. He does big things. He does little things. It makes no difference. You ask him to clean, take out the garbage. The Evan takes out the garbage. You ask him to clean the crown. He cleans the crown. My, my, my maid, I ask her to take out the, I don't have to ask her. She takes out the garbage. She cleans the dishes. At the same time, she does the silver ka'ara for Pesach. She does the good stuff. She does the bad stuff. It's all one to her. Moshe Rabbeinu's greatness was he was a master. That's it. He was an Evan Hashem. And Evan's a master. Whatever you want, Hashem. Whatever you want. I know I don't have the power to do anything. It's all you. And that's who he was. And that was his kayak. And that's, that's what every person wants to be. is an Evan Hashem. So we don't read it. Rashi says, don't read it as... But from what's in your hands, that's what you need to learn. And people would have a much easier life if they lived it as that understanding that, that we're not Kirsch Buffalo's hands. And that's what we are. And we have to do our best, but we're a Mata. In the end, he does what he has to do. And we're one. And that gives us the Koyach, the Koyach. I'm in Hashem's hand. I'm in Hashem's stick. The koyach to do anything in the world. I'm connected to Hashem. And you don't have to worry about anything. You have that crazy strength. And that's what that's what Moshe Rabbeinu finally came to become. 
and that's what he used to do all his um, all his uh, miracles. And even after that, you think it's over, right? Mate, oh, beautiful. He says way after the matter, Hashem says, "I'm going to give you three signs, right? I'm going to give you the the putting your hand in being tzaras. I'm going to give you turning into a stake, and I'm going to give you the blood sign." And Moshe Rabbeinu says, Hashem says, they don't listen to the first verse, they'll give you another ice. I'll give you another ice, right? You'll, 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 you'll pour the water, it'll become blood. You think at this point it's over, right? No. Please Hashem, I don't know how to talk. I can't talk now, I can never talk. I stutter. He had the best speech, you're a mater. He doesn't want to go. Everyone out there, even when you go sometimes for physic, you get a great speech, and then you're still like, I still can't do this. Don't beat yourself up. Moshe Rabbeinu had the best physic, and he still said, God, I hear everything you're saying. I'm a mata, but I'm a clot pen, a clot lush, and I stutter. And they're going to make fun of me, and they're going to make fun of you that, God, you're, you're not scary. You can't even fix my mouth. Who gave you a mouth? Who gave a person able to speak, and who gave you the ability when they try to chop your head off that your neck turned into model? And now, Lech! Finished! No more therapy. One word. Go. No more discussions. Discussions, over. I love that process. I'll be there. Don't worry. says, after all this, please Hashem, send it, send it with Aaron. I hear everything you're saying, and I hear the good therapy, and you're a great therapist, but I can't go. Send Aaron. But Yichaf Hashem B'Moshe, Hashem got angry. But Yom HaLei, Aaron Achicha Levi, he knows. He knows what his job is, and you gotta know who your job is. Don't, don't leave here without the stick. Understand that you're the stick. Now, you're not going to do any miracles. The stick's going to do miracles, not the stick. The knowledge of that you are the stick, you think you're going to do miracles, you're not doing nothing. I'm doing the miracles. Well, when you leave here, you are the stick, and that's it. Moshe Rabbeinu, that was it. And he went down to Mitzrayim, and I tell everyone in my class, now Hashem told them, Leich, it's two letters. Leich backwards is kol, but whatever. Hashem said, Leich, and he went, and he, he became Moshe Rabbeinu. And had he not gone, he would have been Moses, you know, Shwama, the best Shwama king in Midian. And that would have been the end of him. So we all have this. You have two choices. You either lay, you get up and you go and you do what you got to do, even though you can't talk and you stutter and they're sending you to give the biggest speech of your life in the biggest quorum of your life in front of all the kings and you can't speak and Hashem says you go. So you either go and then you become Moshe Rabbeinu you stay home and you make you make shawarma. That's who he was. That's who Moshe Rabbeinu was. That's what gave him the power to to become you know the, the Rabbeinu that leads Klai Yisrael. And, and you see the whole process goes on. And even after this, when he goes in front of Paro, you know, in the end of the in the end of the parsha, which is also fascinating because you guys are young, but you have to you know you get all psyched up and you're all psyched up, and Hashem's telling you. 
you're the stick, and I'm there with you, and right, and all this stuff. And Moshe's like, I don't really want to go. I'm really not. I didn't really suffer with them. Whatever it is, and you go to the end of the pasuk, and I'm like thinking to myself, oh man, if I would have gone through this. And, and, and Moshe comes, and he goes to Paro, and he expects this huge miracle. Right, he has these expectations because we always figure out what God's going to do. And he has this crazy expectation. He goes in front of Paro. I'm the stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to make it happen. Send out the Jews. He's got Hashem on his back. And what does Paro do? Make him work double. You're a bunch of lazy guys. And now all the Jews are like, what? You know, we thought you were the man. And now we used to get the bricks from the Mitzrim. Now we have to make the bricks. So the whole class, so if the Moshe Rabbeinu, you're not a prophecy. You're nobody. You come with all this talk. And at the end of the day, it didn't get better. It got worse. So Moshe, he's human. He's human. Shabbat was human. Vayashem Moshe l'Hashem, Pasuk Chavayz at the end of the parsha. Vayoyma Adonai Hashem, Lama Hirayshu Lama Zel, Lama Zel Shachani. You made it worse. Why did you send me? I told you not to send me. You made it worse. We had this whole plan. I'm the stick. I can do anything. What did you do? Now they're all yelling at me. We used to have our own bricks. Now we got to make the bricks. Since I came to Paro, listen to how he's talking to Hashem. To talk in your name, you told me to do this. You made it bad for them. You promised me you're going to save them. You're taking out of Mitzrayim. You didn't save them. He had an impression he's going to go in front of Paro. Boom, bang, explosion, done. We're out of here. But it didn't happen that way. So he's actually saying to Hashem, I don't get it. I told you I didn't want to come here. And now you made it worse. You are the stick. Don't try to figure out when I'm going to let them out, how I'm going to let them out. You do what you have to do. Don't try to figure out, if I keep the mitzvahs, I'm going to get the business deal. That, that's not how a stick works. A stick doesn't think. So Hashem said to Moshe, Atta, now, Tira says, watch what I'm going to do to Paro. I'm going to send them out to Yachazaka and out of the nation. Don't give me a timeline. I'm the timeline, said Hashem. You're going to see that I sent you and I told you Clarice wasn't going to get out. That's what's going to happen. And that's the stick. The stick is not... When it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, I work for God. I do what he tells me to do. He has his time set up. When I'm supposed to get married, when is my shidduch, when I'm supposed to make money, what's supposed to happen in my life. I thought if I do this, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I have a schooler to do this, 40 days, I'm going to get engaged the next day. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. You do what you have to do. My time is my time. Your timeline, Moshe Rabbeinu's timeline, he thought he's going to go, power's going to let him out, and everything's going to work out. His timeline was way off. Hashem said, no, no, no. You see, I first want to take this paro and try and down piece by piece. You're going to chase you in front of the whole world. The whole world's going to see the place. The whole world's going to see them chase you. The whole world's going to see them die in the Yamsuf. Not the minute you walk to paro, he's going to let you out. That's it. That's not a kiddush Hashem. I have a whole plan. You're the stick. Stop trying to figure out when, better, worse. It's all part of my plan. And that's something we all have to learn from this week's Parashat Parashat Shmos. Because Baruch has a plan. You put up your sail on your boat. 
The wind's going to come from the east. Where you're at, then you have to go, you're going to go to the east. The wind's going to blow from the north. You're going to go to the north. Stop fighting him. Stop, stop trying to control God and what he's going to do and when he's going to do it and how he's going to do it. And this part is the perfect thing. Moshe Rabbeinu said, you promised. It didn't happen. They're yelling at me. You said it's going to happen. Shem said, it'll happen when I want it to happen. It's a plan. I'm taking him down. I'm taking him down. He's going to schlep. He's going to follow. The world's going to watch them all drown in the Amsuf. This is not happening in one second. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu learned. Take the stick with you. Right, he said to him, go, but take the word. I have to take a stick with me to Mitzrayim, yeah. Take the stick with Mitzrayim. Always remember, it's not you. You are the stick. The stick in your hands. You are the stick. Just like when they fought Amalek, Hashem said, lift your hands. How does that help the war? You catch bullets, you lift the hands, Christ will look up to Shemayim. They look up to Shemayim, they understand they're just a stick. You look up to Shemayim, they realize that the whole war is being controlled from there. So every time he put his hands up, they won. Every time he put his hands down, they lost. But just a stick. It makes life a lot easier. Don't try to figure out how to show it. It will be zoicha to all of us to be able to leave our own personal Mitzrayim's the Karayv. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.